Hello, and welcome back to After Dinner Conversation. Uh, short stories for long conversations. So all the things that we do each week, you could do with your friends, right? You, you read stories, you, you think about them, you discuss them, you argue over it. Ideally, maybe you have an adult beverage. Uh, you try not to end a friendship over it. And, uh, and at the <laughs> making end of the, no promises. Making no promises. No promises. Uh, and at the end of the day, you've, had a, you've learned a little bit about yourself and the way you think and why you think the, what you think, which is really the goal, whatever, whatever that may be for you. Uh, after dinner conversation stories are available on Amazon for download. They're also you can catch the newer ones on our website afterdinnerconversation.com. And uh, if you're enjoying this uh, podcast or YouTube video, you can like and subscribe. That would make us very happy. We are at once again uh, for our fifth episode, sixth episode. I don't know. We're pretty far in now. Seventh episode. <laughs> Aways. Who knows. Uh, we are uh, at La Gatara. La Gatara. La Gatara. And uh, all of these cats are available for adoption. This one in the video. This is Hemingway. If, if you're watching the video, yeah, it's Hemingway with a bow tie. Hemingway is so cute. Because pretty much every cat with a bow tie is pretty awesome. Uh, and so if you don't want to adopt a cat, but you just want to visit cats, you can also come by and for like 10 bucks, they'll let you just come and hang out. And they do... Uh, it's a lounge, not a cafe. A, yeah. And they do... They also have special nights where they have yoga and uh, bingo nights and movie nights and all sorts of stuff. Come hang out with these adorable so, cats. So yeah, if you're not ready to oh, commit hello. to a cat, you can just uh, visit a cat, <laughs> or you can have a cat who blocks your camera. Hi. Like, hey down, hey down front, hey down front. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, the story. Oh, I'm I am Col Colby, your host. Uh, Are you gonna bleep that out? I'm post? going to. Yes. I am Colby, your host. Uh, I'm Jeremy. And I'm here with co-host Jeremy and Jessica. Hello. Uh, and lots of cats who are hearing us who are really excited. There's no way that camera's going to stay up there. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, at any rate, our story today is Are You Him? By John Shearer. By John Shearer, yeah. Uh, and uh, Jessica, you are you're, you got picked to do the... Nope. No, Jeremy. That's oh. right. Jeremy's got his... His, oh my gosh! <laughs> this was a long story. So yeah, it's no. A long so summary. Jeremy, so <laughs> Jeremy so I was doing is amazing at summaries. Yeah, no. And Jeremy the rest is setting. Jeremy's setting the bar for the summaries. Yes. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't read the story, uh, ideally you would read the story before you listen to the podcast. So you know what we're talking about. But Jeremy has taken it upon himself to like give you a little summary of it, so that in the event you don't have the uh, time you know what to we're read talking it, about. You'll right. know. What, yeah, you can like you can sort of visit anyway and tune in. Uh, all right. So Jeremy, go ahead. All right. So, the story opens on our protagonist, Arthur, in the middle of his morning walk to work. After picking up his coffee, the color of which establishes that our protagonist is black, he notices a young woman sitting on a stoop and crying down a side street. Prompted by memories of his own daughter distressed as a teen, he finds himself moving towards her to offer aid. After a moment of being startled, the woman, realizing that Arthur's not a threat, returns to her sobbing. Arthur addresses the girl, assumes she's a college student, and is probably crying over a romantic breakup. This leads him to several paragraphs of exposition where Arthur provides his own romantic backstory. Uh, Arthur married his childhood sweetheart at 18, and after a tour in the army, he and his wife Donna bought a house down the street from their childhood homes and turned their starter jobs into successful mid-level manager careers, fully establishing that Arthur is not a sexual predator in the scenario of middle-aged man approaches vulnerable young woman. <laughs> Arthur decides to sit next to the girl on the stoop, belatedly asks for permission when she stiffens, uh, and asks if she's okay or wants to talk, or that he'll just sit with her for a few minutes until she feels better. 
After a couple minutes of quiet sitting, Arthur notices two white men walk by and that one of them notices the situation. A large black man sitting next to a small white woman in a semi-hidden space. White man continues on, Arthur guessing that their appearance, his, a middle-aged and well-dressed, hers, their voluntarily, not in immediate jeopardy, seemed to not alarm him enough to cause a confrontation. Arthur's concerned, though, and mentally goes through possible scenarios of what if he called 911, uh, which takes him through past memories of racial profiling and how times were and how times are changing, and that this was happening to him less frequently, and how being a big black guy sometimes had its advantages, but in this scenario that's probably quote, wouldn't. That's right? quote, big quote, unquote, yes. big black guy. Yeah, that's the phrase yeah. he uses. Yeah. So this realization prompts Arthur to stand up and prepare to leave. And at this point, the girl has mostly stopped crying, and meeting his eyes offers that she just received a call telling her that her dad unexpectedly died earlier that morning. She asks if Arthur is her dad, come to sit with her one last time to let her know that everything will be okay. And he says he doesn't know. And then the girl thanks him and asks if he has a daughter and then tells Arthur that she's lucky to have him. So Arthur and the girl part ways and Arthur uh, pauses to text his daughter a few essential words that needed to be said right at that moment. Feelings that he resolved to express to her more often and then heads to work. Good summary. Thank you. Good summary. Uh, Jessica? Yeah. What'd you think? You have things you, that stuck out or jumped out at you that you liked, didn't like? Um, so I think probably, uh, the thing that I, I liked the most was I felt that I, I, well, I did not expect, uh, that the, uh, woman who was crying on the stoop to, for her loss to be her dad. Mm. Um, I, and I think the protagonist goes through some scenarios that are right. related to romantic relationships. Right, and, that, and yeah. this is the the author of the story really pushing yes. you in this direction. Right, um, which in, a, I, in very subtle, good ways. Right, yeah. like yeah. It's, it's a very soft hand. Yeah. yeah, but I also think it's definitely one that you know, if we saw somebody crying on a stoop, we would. Um, it, especially Near college, a, a young right. white girl yeah. uh, or a young white woman, um, we would assume that it is probably a romantic um, relationship. Because what else could young white women have right. to cry about? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I did love that she asked if um, if he was her dad. Yeah. I I just very much enjoyed that moment. Um, and I, I wondered for myself, like, it presented in that situation, how would I have answered that? Mm. Um, and then I love that he says no, and then he says, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I love that because um, I think it leaves – I think it says a little bit about the, the protagonist in the story um, and his – I think it says a little bit about his belief system or, you know... Um, it mentions that he goes to church. Right. That's part of the... Yeah, him and his wife girl. And I think that I, I just enjoyed that part of the story. It was very unexpected. It was a nice, very um, soft and tender twist for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm... I think that it's it's just very pretty. I like that. Part. I like the story. How well written the story is and how, how well the author, bring, the author brings you... Uh, Back and forth between his internal memories and the yeah. events that are actually happening in the story. Yeah. That the transitions are really smooth and really well done. Yeah, I thought from and a writing standpoint, this is probably the just technically the best written thing right. that we've probably read so far. I it just it was like it was just so smooth. It was yeah. just so much craft to it. Right. And how the the protagonist is really concerned about all these things and and then here the 
you see the girl is completely in a different place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not romantic. She's having this, you know, deep existential problem. Like these sort of parallel thought yeah. processes going on. She's thinking about her dad and he's having this whole parallel. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice. Uh, and I enjoy, you know, I don't think I understand, you know, the, the, from a writing background, like especially when I'm critiquing a story or looking yeah. at a story, like one of the things that like my first checkbox is how has the narrator changed from the beginning to the end of the story? And if they haven't changed, I have some doubts if it's a short story or if it's a vignette. Right, like if it's just a little snapshot of their life. And I do feel in this that the the protagonist does change from the beginning to the end. Like he texts his daughter something that needs to be said. It was not just him being a good Samaritan and he sits down on the stoop and it's like, oh, look at look how right. good I was to this morning. He's having a moment too by the he end of it. He is. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, I forgot Hemingway was here. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> this is the first non-spastic cat we've had. This is the one that you're going to adopt, huh? Oh, I can't. Cat per square foot. I at my max yeah um, <laughs> two cats they're friends three cats you're a cat lady yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. um so i i very much enjoyed that and i didn't expect it when i started yes, um and the exactly. fact that it kind of evolved that way was a, a really it was a really nice it was a very subtle as colby said a very subtle story yeah i thought so for me i thought it was the the strongest craft we've seen in a story yet which i was really excited about to read um i I thought the character, the main guy, uh, Arthur, I, I thought his views on race, I thought, were really complex in a good way, like in, yes. a, in a realistic way, which I was really interested to see because he is uh, not sort of the TV nighttime stereotype, right? African-American or black man. Absolutely. He's a guy who, you know, went into the military who got a got went on a GI bill, you know, married his high school sweetheart, has probably never really dated, just dated the one girl and married her, you know, is save mentions that he's saving up to get his daughter a car for, as a graduation present. Like it's just and yet he still uh experiences racism and he and he understands it and and sort of how he has to take it into account with his interactions with society. Yeah. And I think that was interesting. And yet he even says, I inherently think all people are good. I think police officers are generally good with a few bad ones. Right. He's like, I've spe- experienced, you know, driving while black, but I think that's not the case. But yet he also is very much aware of like, is this person going to call 911 on me? Right. Is this person, they're understanding my attire that right. I'm dressed in a suit and so I'm not threatening. And so he very much understands the racist world that he lives in. Yeah. And yet doesn't seem to harbor a great deal of animosity about it. Which uh which I don't, you know, I don't know how authentic that is, but it certainly read in a really intricate way. It that definitely I really had a complex, yeah. 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 It was definitely a complex way. And it also I think made him um, a really strong character because you realize that by ha- stopping and talking to this woman, he's not just doing something nice, he's doing something nice at peril. Yes. Right? As yes. opposed to like if you or I were to stop and t- talk to someone that was crying, we wouldn't think... We're like, not at risk in the same way. Yeah. Right, like like am I wearing good enough clothes that the person's not going to be think that I'm trying to like do something? A- am I Am I old enough... That uh, that I no longer seem threatening, like a quote unquote, you know, big black man. 
Like we don't have to sort of take into this large calculation before right. making the most basic human choice. Yes, and just to clarify for the podcast listeners that are audio only, we are three white people oh, sitting yeah. at a table with a bunch of cats. <laughs> with a bunch of cats yeah. that are black and white. Yeah, they're black uh, and white. But yes, um, you know, I think it the way the story was written, um, I think it showed the subtle, almost like a internal view of microaggressions and how they shape yeah. Um, how you interact with the world on a day-to-day basis, which is probably not something that um, most most people would, um, most people who are not of color would know uh, happens every single day. Right. 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 And that they deal with every single day. Right. And yeah. and, you and know, the cumulative effect that might have on just how you interact with the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes his character so sort of angelic in a way, is that he's aware of all of it, but somehow refuses to internalize it in the same, in the way that you would expect just a person would, just out of, you know, just because that's the way it goes. Uh, One of the things that I also thought, it reminded me of another story that I'd read, where there's just a small part of a story where where a a black man and a white man are walking in the South together, and a, a white woman comes out of a bar drunk, and she's really like fall down drunk, and she starts talking to everybody, and uh, and the black man immediately crosses the street, and the white guy chases after him. He's like, "Why'd you do that?" And he's like, "Well, black guy, white woman." And this was in the 1960s when the story takes place. If she falls on me, if something happens, if something happens it to her, like absolutely all his fault. It's, it's it on me. What it was. Yeah. So I need to remove myself from that situation. And the the white uh, character's response is, "That was pretty fast thinking." Uh, and the black character's response is. It's just habit. I've been black all my life. Right. Like it's not. Right. It's not fast thinking. It's it's, it's internalized ingrained. instinct. Right. right. And uh, ingrained behavior. And I thought, yeah, it's ingrained behavior. And I thought this was a really good story to show how all of those microaggressions and how all those ways get internalized, and how just without even thinking about it, you're figuring that stuff out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and then the mental paths that it pushes him down. Right. Where. Right. You know, where previously in the in the first part of the story, he's really thinking about his his daughter and all of this, and and what possibilities of what this woman is going through, and then as soon as there's this brief moment with the the people who walk by, the whole tone of the story changes, and and now he's thinking about the potential situation that he's in. Yes, yeah. and it's just it's it's immediate. It's immediate, right? Because he's been doing it his yeah. whole life. Yeah. And like I, I, in the writing, one of the things that I really enjoyed is when the the white dudes walk by and how he's like, it's it's hardly a, it's a microsecond in their stride, yeah. right? Like it's this pause that I, I don't remember the phrasing that the writer used, but it, and I I've seen that moment, right? You've yeah. seen that moment where somebody's doing a, a flash assessment of the situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, as a woman, like if if I walked by that alley, I absolutely would do the same. A uh, flash assessment. Woman sitting on a step in an alley with another man. Right. It, What's going she, on? You know, she looks she, in distress, she's potentially. In dis- right. She's in distress. Yeah. She's safe. Is yeah. she safe? Do I need to, you know, make eye contact? Right. There's, uh, I think for women, there's a lot of things that uh, that happen in that microsecond. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really, it's a really good in, internal internalization of that, of that society. The, I'll tell you the conversation I wanted to have after reading it. And I think it's because... It's a character that's so three-dimensional. I feel like I could talk to the person. Uh, I really wanted to have like a long conversation about like, why aren't you angrier? 
Why aren't you, like, how uh, is it this doesn't bother you? Yeah. How is it, and he talks, in one of the parts he talks about, uh, you know, I see people that don't, that kneel for the, the football players that kneel for the national anthem, and I don't do it, but I understand why they do. Right. And it's like, of course you understand it. Like, it's not like you're immune. You're seeing all of these things, and you're describing all of these experiences that you have, and yet you're not kneeling. And I'm like, why aren't you? Like, I... Like, and not that I'm judging the person, like everyone no. makes their own choices, but I feel like I'm I could have- wondering what is it that's yeah, making like him what make it, this yeah, choice? Yeah, what is it, a, like I would, I, I could comfortably have an hour conversation with this guy about how he's come to all of these conclusions when other people come to different conclusions, mm -hmm. right? About getting, he even mentions getting, that it's easier to go to the mall with a white friend because you don't get followed around as much. By security, right. You don't right. get followed by security and you're like, right. yeah, that, that's, how do you, I don't know. Well, and I think it goes back to perhaps, and perhaps this is, contributes to our greater dis discussion of, of a deeper conversation about the story is, you know, taking this story and then turning it to people that we don't necessarily understand why they react the way they do. Um, it's very easy, you know, I, very easy to judge people um, by the actions, kneeling or not, standing for the Pledge of Allegiance or not, signing up for the military or not, right? What, right. Whatever, yeah. and and to have that discussion and be like, you know, I grew up in a very poor part of the United States. I know Jeremy did as well. Um, and I know that lots of people signed up for military service to get out of it, yeah. but there were a lot of us that didn't. And a lot of it, people that stayed, yeah. And, yeah, and a lot of people who stayed in that poor area. and. You know, my gut instinct is, oh, my God, get out. Why haven't you gotten out? Yeah. Um, but there's lots of things that contribute to that, to that in that person's internal dialogue of how they deal with the world. And I right. think this is a glimpse into, into something that we don't experience so that we can maybe grow a little bit of empathy. Um, but then to try to take that and grow a little empathy where there isn't a story. So for oh, I think you, I think you. Jeremy, I'm pretty sure you know this, but I don't know if Jessica does. So I, obviously I spent, uh, I was in the Peace Corps and I was in Mozambique. And literally the directions to my house, the way they were given to people, was drive down the EN1, which is the only freeway, uh, the only paved, main paved road, until you get to kilometer marker like 137. Pull over to the side of the road, wait till you see somebody, and then ask them where the white guy lives. <laughs> <laughs> because I lived back in the bush, and so you couldn't really find my house. There weren't like, you know, you can't be like, hey, take these dirt paths. There's no or, GPS at the yeah, time. Yeah, there's no GPS at the None time. Of the streets have names. And so literally you would just get off the, the you'd get off the, you know, the public transportation at this, because you just flag them down, tell them what you want to get off. Kilometer marker 137, where's the white guy live? And everyone knows where the white guy lives, because I'm the only <laughs> white guy in this African village. Uh... And, and I also have a clear memory of, you know, uh, I think it was like Malungo, I think, because I don't even know if it's a, I don't even know if it's a derogatory term. That was just what everyone called me, like the white guy, like, like right? Or uh, when I lived in China, we were always, uh, 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 it translated a foreigner, but it literally meant outsider, mm -hmm. was the way, and people would be like, oh yeah, the, the, the whatever, outsider, right. outsider, outsider. And, uh, and I just remember thinking like, like, huh, every day forever, huh? Like you get this every day, and and the main thing I took away from it, and then I'll and then I'll stop my little thing is, I was amazed in some ways, and I'm not saying this is similar to the American experience or not, how quickly I forgot I looked different, because I was surrounded by nothing but Africans, mm. like not African Americans, Africans, right, uh, day in and day out, month after month, years, 
And then like, I'd be walking down the street and I'd see a white guy and I'd be like, hey, check out the white guy. And my friend would be like, you're the white guy. And I'm like, oh my That's God, you're right. I totally forgot. I totally forgot I'm the white guy. Uh, just because like you just, I would see it and I would just, I'd be like, yeah, I, I, this you're, is where I am, right? Right. Well, and I think that also speaks to an experience where, and I'm making an assumption here, but considering your role there is that, you know, the white guy was not derogatory. No, right? and it was not as, a, it, and it was, no, there wasn't a racial bias right. about, so, I had a very privileged spot. That yeah, is very and you don't. And television and, shows didn't show how I rob everybody right. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so you got to operate in this idea of, yeah, I get, I got to right. forget about my race because no, everybody loved me. Right. It's like having a British accent in America. Absolutely. Yeah. Like right. I, I, you can be a serial killer. I'll still have a crush on you. Because you got a British accent. Right. <laughs> right. So I think it's I think it's a little bit That's like, a great point. I did not have a similar experience. Yeah. You're right. But I think you would have remembered that you were white if every day you were made to think like, oh, you're white and you're different and that's a bad thing. You would remember that. And then when that white guy walked down the street, your response would have been like, Yeah. I fear for that white guy right. as a white guy and also is that a bad thing? Yeah. Right. Oddly enough, the guys who had it hardest, and then we'll get back to the story, is actually not the the white Americans in Mozambique. It was the African Americans in Mozambique mm -hmm. because they were lighter skinned. And so the Africans were like, what's up with the lighter skin? And the white people were like, you're a black guy. Right. We, you know, we have already got all these prejudices. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it was. It was and that's, a, uh, uh, that's, that does speak to a lot of the biracial experience right. in, in America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did it bother, going back to the story, did, did either of you pause or did you have any questions about the assumptions that he was making about, the, about her? Like he talks about like, what could a white girl possibly have a problem about? Only a boy. Right. Like, like and, and he's wrong. Like his, right, his, he is wrong. His, his uh, prejudice, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, about what her issues are, are but entirely not correct. his experience with white privilege. Right. And that they couldn't have anything to worry about, but exactly, right. yeah. And although I will say it's not harmful, no, right? Like it wasn't any, a negative stereotype, right? It's just and it's just a stereotype. Um, I also find it, you know, it's one of those things. As a woman, I always notice when the word "girl" is substituted for "woman," right. um, like in the questions, the discussion questions at the end, it discusses, you know, about the girl, and I was like, mm, "She's not a girl; she's a woman." Mm -hmm. It was very well established by the end of the story that she was yeah. old enough to be called a woman. Yeah. Um, but it is this, you know, it is something that happens with women all the time is right. that we are called girls and I do it myself. It's a society thing. Yeah. Um, but it is a very interesting, <clears throat> like it, it then makes the assumption everything is um, not negated, but uh, lessened. Your problems right? can't be complicated if you're a girl. Correct. Yeah. And that is absolutely right. not true for any like, in the story yeah. or in life. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. and I think I did that in the synopsis too. It was called her a woman as opposed to a girl yes, at some point. Yes, you did. I, I noticed it. <laughs> That's why you still are sitting at the table. Yes, yeah. I didn't correct you. Didn't get clobbered. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's something that I think is part of that whole stereotype that you're alluding to is like her. There's other stereotypes going on here, right. not just the stereotypes against him. Right. But in general, there, I mean, that's not to say that infantile, infantile, like, what's that word? Infantile. Infantilizing, infantilizing, <laughs> think infantilizing women does have negative consequences, but yes. I will say that it is, um, I think 
when we when we you know nobody wins in a in uh who has it who has, who has a, it worse who has it yeah. worse race right um but yeah. i think that you know it is a stereotype that he came in with but he also didn't act on that stereotype and you know i don't right. know it's i think all part of recognizing bias right what do you think so he one of the things she asks him is you know, the title of the thing is "Are you him?" Or I think, and I think she says, "Are you my father?" As an angel, right. which right. the implication is, "Are you an angel?" Right. Right. Uh, I first of all, I thought that was a great title for the story, uh, but I also thought it it asked, in a way, it asked an interesting question. Of course, not literally. He's not literally her father come back from the dead. Right. But in the sense of, is he a kind of angel? Like I was kind of like, ish. Like, I felt very ish about that. Like, right. I was and like, yeah, in a way, you kind of are her dad. Exactly. And you are this this visiting angel to do exactly what she needed at that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, it wouldn't have served the story, but it would have been great if he'd have been like, yeah. Right. By the way, the cure for blindness and a million dollars are buried under the house. Start digging. Yeah. Then just gets up and walks away. Well, and I thought, like, in that, in that idea where I was trying to, like, what, how would I answer like, oh, yeah. My first thought was like, would I have just said yes? Like this this woman needs it. Like she needs it to be yes. Yeah. She needs her father to come and sit with her. But then it's super awkward next time they meet yeah. in a coffee shop. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. no, no, not right now, not your dad. Right. right? Like, yeah. like right now I just I'm just putting air in my tires. I don't <laughs> shopping for underwear. I don't need right. uh, I don't need to have this moment. So I think it was a perfect answer for mm. him to say, like, no, I don't, I don't know. think so. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I don't yeah. think so. Um, I think that that's beautiful because it does, I mean, cause maybe he doesn't know, like maybe, you know, he, we, we see that he comes from a religious background. Perhaps he believes that he was sent here to sit on a soup for a reason. And it talks about his yeah. religious, yeah, his religious yeah. background. Yeah. Uh, I was a little jealous of his family. This is not necessarily related to our questions. Like he is the In most the perfect th- dad. Like yeah. I was just like, I was like. And if I had any complaint at all about the story, and this is not, I mean, this is like low-level complaint. <laughs> sure. He is a flawless human being. Well, so I wonder, did the author do that specifically so that white people reading it would not be thrown off? Or they wouldn't look for like bait of like, yeah. oh, he's got other motivation right. or he's. Right. Yeah. Right. Possibly. Like I, I, I worry that, I mean, not that I worry that the author did this, I, but I worry that, that. Um, white readers would be thrown off by it and therefore... Even by the fact that she mentioned that she was pretty. Right. Or, you know, had his background been that he, you know, dated a ton or Mm. um, was divorced or had a bad relationship with his daughter. Suddenly there's these other motivations that that are potentially... Even if the entire story had happened the same way, when he got up and left, you're like, I bet... I bet I know what is real. Like you start wondering. Yeah. Yeah. And I worry that that is, and it, it, it and I'm, what I'm trying to say is that is it necessary that we can only, as white readers, we can only read flawless black characters? And if that's the case, gosh, we have a we have a, <laughs> a lot of long work way to, to do. go. So much work to do. <laughs> yeah. Because that's real sad. Like we we definitely would have not taken a second glance if. It was a white dude that was, you know, sitting on a stoop with her and was divorced and, you know, we... Right, and how would the story have been if if his thoughts are... Presidential elections much? No, no, no. no. (laughs) How would the story have read if while he's having these thoughts of sitting next to her, they're thoughts of how do I hit on her? Right. 
right? You know, and then you and then would have played into every stereotype of everything that ever would have. You know, what yeah. and what would the differences, you know, if this had been a white guy and oh, this yeah. is what he's thinking, white middle-aged guy. Right. You know, yes, there are all these other stereotypes, but how would that have affected this ending? Yeah. You know, where yeah. that's not why she thought he was there. Yeah, yeah. totally. And even if the uh, another interesting question to ask about this, all this internal dialogue that happens, all this internal backstory that happens she never is privy to. But right. how would, as us as a reader, had he been thinking about when he can ask her out? Right. And and then she and, and nothing else happens in the story externally. How would we as a reader walked away from that story? It had been a, a much different Well and also I think it would have been a different experience also if we had gotten the entire story from her perspective instead of his perspective. Mm, because true. one of the things that makes this character flawless is as he's interacting with her, we're getting the flashbacks of the soccer practice and the military experience and the married years sweetheart right. and everything. So we know his perfect intent right. and she does not. Correct. Right. She just knows she's having a bad day and a guy comes and hangs out. Yes. And so from her perspective, it would have been, we as readers maybe would have superimposed because of our own biases, ill intent that by seeing it from his perspective, we know is not there. Right. Uh, actually, I, that's a good point. And I, I, yeah. I also think about like, does she think he's an angel because dudes coming and sitting next to her? Morgan Freeman, <laughs> because Morgan <laughs> Freeman always <laughs> plays God, and so of course, if some yeah. angel's gonna come, he's got to look like Morgan Freeman. I was gonna say some dude that just doesn't hit on you suddenly is an angel. Right. Like that's the bar. It's so low. <laughs> it's the bar is so low. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just saying. Oh uh, yeah, oh, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the things, though, that you're right. I didn't think about this as I was reading it necessarily, but I think your comments, Jessica, make a lot of sense to me in that uh, that I think this story shows that by the way it has to be written, mm. it shows that there's still so much more work. Mm -hmm. Because we, I think as, as a white reader, I think you would be more forgiving of some mixed motivations that good can still come of mm -hmm. from a white character. Well, this definitely was something I identify as LGBT. And one of the things that definitely happened in the LGBT community with writing in the last decade was there was this big movement of LGBT readers who said, for the love of God, can we get not the perfect gay person, right? Can we get a villain that's evil, but somehow is not evil just because they're gay. Right. Like, just evil because they're evil. <clears throat> you can be gay and evil and have them be unrelated. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. And um, I thought it was such a good comment. And we have seen literature evolve, um, especially speculative fiction, evolve since then to fill that void. But it was a void that people were like, we, you know, we only get uh, Morgan Friedman as God. Right, that's right? it. That's it. Um, and we only got, you know, uh, gay people who are the best friend, the, the very effeminate best friend, but could not the be. The supportive, non-threatening male character. Correct. Um, and that was all we were getting. And so now we're getting a more nuanced evolution of, of, of literature through that. And I think that's good. I think that shows that we're moving in the right direction. That it's becoming, it's becoming a characteristic as opposed to a trait. Like right. a defining trait. Right. Or a motive for that matter. Right. Like it yeah. was definitely motive. What's the TV point. show that I'm kept insisting on you watching? Oh, Euphoria. Euphoria, yeah. Where yeah. one of the main characters uh, is, uh, is trans or transitioning? Transitioning. Yeah. And it has nothing, I mean, it has a little bit, but it is not the motivating character. It's yeah. not yeah. the motivating 
issue. It's a characteristic, but right. it is not a defining characteristic for the character right. in this scenario. She, it's just right. like, it's, if she had blonde hair, like yeah. it just it doesn't matter in the thing. It was uh, I was telling Colby this um, on the way in is the, uh, the reboot of the Gem and the Holograms comic book is freaking phenomenal. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch. I'm gonna have to read it or watch it, it now. Read, or whatever. Read, read it. Okay. Uh, there's no. There's no show. Um, but yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. I TV haven't seen producers. Evil Dead Two yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but uh, you know, there are gay characters and there are trans characters in Gem and the Holograms reboot, and literally just doesn't really come up. It's, it not, comes, the, it's not the point of their character. There's like right. one. That's uh, not. It's definitely not the point of their character. There's like one point where. Um, the the woman um, tells the rest of the group that by the way I'm trans because you're putting me on stage and this may come out in like press yeah and they were like okay and that was it and she was like relieved <laughs> and there was there was definitely a plot line there but the, in general it was not the point mm. of the story right. which is okay. always you know where it's where it, you want to see things go that's where you want to see things go yeah. some realism in our writing yes yeah. So uh, you've been listening to After Dinner Conversation, short stories for long conversations. This podcast, uh, as well as all the other ones, are available on uh, iTunes, iPodcast, I guess. iPodcast is what it's, what's it called Please now? Google Play. What's it called now? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, they changed iTunes to like iPodcast or... Where, wherever you get your Wherever podcast. you get your yes. podcast, also on YouTube. All of the short stories are available on Amazon. Uh, you can also get some of the newer ones that haven't been released as ebooks yet on afterdinnerconversation.com. Hey, Colby. Yes, ma'am. What if I was a writer and wanted to write a story for After Dinner Conversation? Uh, so if you were a writer and you wanted to write a, a story for After Dinner Conversation, first I would advise you to proofread your story before sending it in. Because <laughs> Colby can't read. I really have to read everything to him yeah. over the phone. Uh, yeah. We get a lot of not uh, final products, I would say. Okay. But assuming you've proofread it and assuming that you've uh, asked yourself, is this sort of a, a literary version? Yeah, is it the literary version of the trolley problem? Uh, then uh, the short story version of the trolley problem. Which, by the way, nobody sent in yet, but I bet it will happen. It will happen. Now uh, it will. Now it will. Uh, then please do send it in because uh, that would be amazing. I would. We get a lot of them already. We probably get three to five a day that are submitted now. That's great. But uh, but if we got five to seven a day submitted, I would not be disappointed. Okay. Particularly if any of those additional ones were good <laughs> uh, or amazing or phenomenal or like or like as good as this one. I mean, if we got five to seven are you hymns a day, I would not be sad. So where would, where do you submit? Uh, you go to our website, okay. afterdinnerconversation.com. Yeah. We actually I, just... I think that was the question. Yeah. Oh, the I... <laughs> yeah, the submission yeah. guidelines are on the website as well. Okay. Right. Uh, and if, if you're part of... Thanks, uh, Jeremy. If you're part of Duotrope... <laughs> Or, or uh, uh, what's the other one? Submittable. Submittable uh -huh. or Submission Grinder. Submission is that, Grinder yeah. is another one, yeah. Uh, which is a weird name for a submission thing. Hey. Uh, we actually just finished a little while ago our writing competition. Oh. And uh, in when a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in a couple of weeks we'll we'll do that right. story Excellent. as well. And that person by the way, that's the other cool thing about submitting is like what do writers want? They want their story to be not just read and discussed. About. And what better way than be like, yeah, we're gonna discuss your story for a half an hour with cats. Pretty, it's a pretty a cat named Hemingway. It's yes. really that's uh, that pretty much sells itself. I agree. Uh, so next week we have uh, Leon, three outcast witches visit the hippie era to tempt a street musician, uh, and it's definitely sort of flavors of Macbeth, which I think yeah. 
some some genre going on here. And yeah, spe speculative fiction. Yeah, and are I'm you gonna are you gonna have a, a long paragraph like Jeremy to discuss it? <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully Hemingway will not be adopted yet, and he'll still be here for us next yes. time we're back. Yeah, I hope thank so. you. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye.